Hello and thank you for joining us today at Pennington AG. My name is Joshua Ziefel and I have the privilege of sharing with you today uh, for your Sunday service. It is the last Sunday of the year and for whatever reason, it seems like sometimes that's my privilege to speak on this particular Sunday. And I kind of get it too, right? It's that last Sunday of the year, we're with our families, your pastor has been working hard all year and I have a chance to come in and kind of give him a Sunday off. I'm also excited about it because the last Sunday of the year really does provide an interesting opportunity for us to think back to everything that's taken place in 2021 and to think ahead to what 2022 might be like. Uh, we might say we're heading into the unknown together with the challenges and the opportunities that await us. Um, if you're anything like me, uh, I hope that the challenges and the challenges that we face next year are a lot less than the challenges we faced the last two years. But the last two years remind us, you just never know. I'd like to take us to the part of the Bible this morning known as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, um, which is significantly larger than the New Testament and provides a host of narratives, stories, wisdom, worship, uh, poetry, uh, and songs that were sung by the Hebrew people. And today in particular, we are going to focus on the narrative of a man named David. We'll talk a little bit more about him first, but if you uh, want to follow along on your computer or your phone or paper Bible, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel this morning, chapter 21, and we'll be reading selections through to chapter 22, verse 5. So, Listen along with me as I read. David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him, and he asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And David answered Ahimelech the priest, Well, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now, what do you have on hand? Could you give me five loaves of bread? Or whatever you can find. The priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. And David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on the missions that are not holy. How much more so today? And so the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that, it, that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by the hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Dog the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was so urgent. And the priest replied, well, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. And David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Of course, the text goes on and David spends some, a little bit of time there, or at least has a conversation there, and then picks up later. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to meet him there. 
all those, all those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. And from there, David went to Mitzpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not go, do not stay in the stronghold, go into the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Hereth. Lord, I pray this morning today that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. That's a large portion of text we heard from the life of David today. And you might wonder here, right near the end of this year, what in the world this has to do with you? And what in the world I am going to say? Well, let me start by telling you a story. A story uh, from a few months ago, uh, back in Seattle, where I live now. Uh, if you know much about Seattle, you know that they have a football team called the Seahawks. Uh, you know that uh, if you're of a certain age, that grunge music is from Seattle. You know they've got a space needle. They love to have that space needle. And also, Seattle is a place where they like their coffee. It's the home of Starbucks. But, I mean, honestly, why would I go to Starbucks when there's all these other really cool, trendy, expensive coffee shops right around the corner? And so I was in one of these coffee shops a few months ago, and I was there. I often use it as a second office, and I uh, was finished, and I was going up to the trash cans. Uh, notice my plural there, to the trash cans. I walk up there, and there is not just one trash can. There is not just two trash cans. I believe there were four different receptacles into which I could throw my refuse. And one of them was uh, relatively simple. It was for food, so compost. So if you have your leftover bagel or your pastry or your sandwich or maybe your coffee grinds, maybe you can put them in there. Then they had the one that was for paper. And I said, okay, well, I think that this napkin is paper, but this one has wax on it, so I guess it goes somewhere else. It gets very confusing. Then there's another one for plastic, and so I try to put the plastic in there, even though I think they just go and burn it somewhere anyway. But I do what they say. But then finally you get to this last trash bin, uh, the most terrifying one of all, and it just says it straight up to you. It says landfill on it. It's basically saying, now you could recycle these three other things, but do you want to throw this in a landfill? where we'll be for a million years. Do you really want to do that, Josh Siefel? Is that what you want to do with your life? And I'm looking at it and I feel guilty, but I don't know what to do. And so I probably just threw stuff in there and walked away real quick before I, before I, um, before I took a second thought about it because it was just agonizing. The guilt, the desperation you feel about throwing things in that landfill single-use trash can, that single-use item receptacle. But some things just end up there. That's just how it goes. I'll tell you another story. Um, uh, as I record this, I'm back in New Jersey, and of course I'll be back in New Jersey with family for Christmas, and I'll get to see family and friends, including my father, whom I love deeply. 
And uh, my dad and I have one of those relationships where we love each other deeply, we'd do anything for the other person, but we just don't talk very much. A phone call with my mom lasts, you know, half an hour. A phone call with my dad lasts about 45 seconds. That's about how it goes. But I think about my dad now and then. And my dad, growing up, was apprenticed in a trade. He owned and ran a metal shop. He was a tool and die maker. I don't even entirely know what a tool and die maker is, but that's what he did. And I mean, I know what a tool is, but what's a die? I don't know what these things are. So anyway, he did this metal work. And um, I don't think he loved it because he never wanted us to learn the skills at all. But something unfortunate happened to him when he was maybe in his later 20s, early 30s. All of a sudden, uh, the business that he was running that did the majority of their work for a company in Philadelphia, um, that company that they did their work for, that they produced materials for, that the, their bottom line was based on, that company went bankrupt. And so my dad's business slowly began or quickly began to fail. And my dad's business went under as well. And so here he is now uh, in his early 30s, uh, two young boys. He doesn't quite know it yet, but another one and a daughter will be on the way in the next few years. And his career that he had built, his trade that he had developed, the purpose that he thought he was going to have as a working person was suddenly taken away from him. And he had to figure out what to do, right? You can imagine that situation. Maybe you've been there, right? And so here he is trying to figure out how to help support a family. Uh, my mom's a nurse. She's working as well. And my dad's trying to figure out what to do to make money to support the family. And he, at one point, takes the civil service exam. He's thinking, well, maybe I can be a postal worker. I can drive around those big white cubicle trucks and deliver people's mail. Pretty stable job. Could be a career. He thinks, well, maybe I'll be a prison guard. I can do that, you know. Um, and then he actually starts to do some substitute teaching. And then he goes back to school and finishes his bachelor's degree. And he has now been doing this for longer, I think much longer, than he was a tool and die maker. Uh, and he's nearing the age of retirement. See, if you talk to my dad when he was 25, 26, 27, he might have said, I think how I know things are going to turn out. He might have said, you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own this business. I'm going to try to grow the business. I'm going to get good at what I'm doing and maybe make a name for myself. Flash forward a few years and what he thought was not what happened. And we think we know how things will turn out sometimes in life. And life tells us and the scripture tells us the answer to that is maybe not. We can also get, and this is the tough thing about life, locked into the way things are sometimes. Have you ever felt that? Someone challenges you maybe to try something new or do something different, and you just say to them, I can't. That's just not who I am. That's not what I can do. That's just not the kind of person I am, as if that is the end of the conversation. And we get locked in to that definition and that image and that perspective of ourselves. But should we? When I was in graduate school, actually over here, uh, just a couple towns away, I was taking a particularly um, class that was particularly challenging for me. Uh, it was a class where we were reading a book of the Bible in Hebrew, and I was asked to translate this. And my Hebrew, let's just say, not so good. Uh, and um, in the class, uh, I don't know if he meant to say this to me particularly, but I, I received it. Uh, he talked about academics being like jumping out of an airplane. Uh, it doesn't matter whether your parachute is open when you jump out of the plane, it just needs to be open when you hit the ground. And uh, 
I took that as a promise for my semester, and I managed okay. The parachute opened well enough. Um, but sometimes life is like that, isn't it? Uh, we feel like we're just falling. We feel like we don't know what's going on. And in the middle of the moment, if the ground were five feet away, we'd be in trouble. But what I think God might have to say to us through the passage we've read today, or I'm going to spend some time looking at, God is saying to us, oh, there's still plenty of time for me to open that parachute for you. There's still plenty of time for things to change. In other words, to paraphrase my professor, the beginning of a thing is not the end of a thing. And there's a lot of space in between. So 1 Samuel 21. We come to this story in the Bible, this narrative, neither at the end of it or at the beginning of it, rather somewhat in the middle. Some of you know a little bit or a lot about the life of David, and you could recite for me the story of his life. And, and, you, and, and if we were to cite it together, we would realize that it's a story of changes, a story of changes that lie behind David at this point in his life here in 1 Samuel 21. He is the son of Jesse. He is a shepherd. He is someone when the prophet Samuel comes to anoint all of the, figure out which of the sons it is that God is going to be anointing king, they pass him by because they're like, well, David, he's just the little guy out there tending the sheep. And Samuel says, well, you have another son, send him in. And all of a sudden, the prophet, the wise older prophet, come and sent by God to anoint a new king, anoints this kid, David, who up until that point in his life, what was his purpose? What was his plan? What was his vocation? What was he going to do with life? Well, I guess he was going to be a shepherd and be out there in the middle of who knows where, tending the sheep. And yet there was something different. And then, of course, you flash forward a little bit and you have this situation where there's a story we all know, a giant threatening the people of Israel, taunting them, a giant named Goliath. And David is just there delivering some food for his brothers and he can't believe what's going on. All he was doing that day was delivering food for his brothers and maybe like little brothers would do, going to check out what was going on at the battlefield. And he gets there and suddenly his purpose that day for delivering that food checking out the battle, suddenly became entirely different. Suddenly he was the battle. Suddenly he was the force that opposed Goliath. And suddenly he went out to fight this giant. You flash forward a little further in the book of Samuel, and Saul is like, who is this kid? What's going on? And he, we find out that David also plays music, composes songs. Uh, sings or whatever he might do. And Saul invites him into his house to play him music to soothe his troubled soul. And so once again, David's life changes from shepherd boy to anointed king to giant slayer to court musician. All of these things in David's life keep changing and he keeps falling through the air and these different kinds of parachutes keep opening and all of these things keep happening. Flash forward a little later, Saul, the king, the current king, is losing it. Psychological issues, tormented by the evil spirit, you name it, something is going wrong. He is trying to and tempted to want to kill David because David seems threatening to him and his position. And of course, Saul's son Jonathan was good friends with David, and they work out, if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 20, this whole scheme where 
Jonathan's going to check out to see what his father's mindset is, if he's going to threaten, if he's going to possibly try to kill David. And he has this whole thing with arrows being shot in the field. There's different codes for what might happen and what might not. And all of this takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 20, right before we get here to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And so when the story opens, David is a refugee. Now, in the story, he actually lies. He says, hey, the king has sent me here on a mission. Well, kind of. I mean, right, if you're creatively interpreting the details, I guess you could say that by trying to murder me, he's disinviting me from his house and inviting me to go elsewhere. So yes, he sent me on a mission. So anyway, he goes to this priest. He's with some of his men, but they're not with him right when he walks into where the priest is. Uh, And he's this refugee. He is on the run. He is just a shepherd boy. At least that's what he trained to be early in life. He never asked for any of this. He couldn't have guessed what was going to happen in his life, but here he was. What was going to be next? The core of the story is this. You get to Nob or Nob, which is a place not far from Jerusalem or where King Saul had his capital. David is just starting out his life as a refugee on the run here. He is alone, at least in that moment, though his men may be nearby. He is stripped in that moment of whatever purpose he thought he might have had. He was not a shepherd in that moment. He was not the giant slayer in the moment. That was behind him. He was not the court musician in that moment. Uh, The stable life he may have had with his friend Jonathan was taken away. He, sure, he'd been anointed king, but where was that right now? He is in a bad way. And not only that, he's human too. He's hungry. And his men who are there on the outskirts of where he is, they are also, they are waiting, they are wondering, they are hungry. And I don't know about you, but when I am (laughs) hungry, I don't think straight. Um, My wife sometimes jokes she needs to have a candy bar in her purse because I get a little snippish sometimes. I'm not always thinking completely clearly. And David, I think, knows that not only for sustenance, but for clear thought, probably, his men need to have something to eat. And so he goes to the priest and he says, what have you got? Uh, Is there something here that I might be able to eat, that I might be able to have? He says, "Um, what do you have on hand? I see that bread. There's five loaves over there. Can I have it? Well, it's there, and that's good, but there's a problem. It's not supposed to be for everybody, that bread. It's set aside, and it's set aside for a reason. There are rules, there are complicated rules, there are religious rules, whatever, and they're really not necessarily supposed, it's it's supposed to be set aside for a special purpose, but, well, the priest says, I guess it's okay. Take the bread, go for it, give it to your men. This makes sense. The bread had a purpose, and its purpose was not originally to be feeding David and his men. But in that moment, when David was in need, all of a sudden, the purpose of that bread was changed. The purpose of that bread was renewed. Okay, so now we got food, right? Check. 
you're getting these basic things of sustenance. I assume they have water too, but they've got their water, they've got their bread, they're good to go. But there's another problem, of course, because in his haste to leave, in his quick retreat, David has no sword. He has no weapon. And uh, this is not like you're walking down the streets of Princeton or Pennington. This is like ancient Israel, and also the king was trying to kill him. Who knows what's going on? You need some way to defend yourself. And so he goes to the priest and says, uh, do you have a spear or maybe a sword here? I don't have anything. What can you do for me? And in this very ironic moment, while the priest says, well, we've We've got one here. Um, a funny story about this sword. I think you've seen it before. Do you remember Goliath? David's like, uh, yeah, I remember Goliath. Uh, this was actually um, the sword uh, that um, Goliath used. And, um, you know, it used to be Goliath's. It was his property, and we've been using it kind of as a museum piece here, maybe wrapped up behind the, uh, behind the altar here. People come in, want to see it. The tourists like to see it, whatever it might be. Um, but in that moment, the priest looks at it, I picture. He looks at David, and he dusts it off. And he says, you know what? I think this sword has a new purpose, though. I think this sword is for you to use. And he hands it right over to him. And the story goes on, right? Because again, he's a refugee. He's on the run. David goes to this place called Gath. And he gets there, and uh, <laughs> this is a power move, right? He pretends to be insane. He pretends to have um, some kind of psychological disorder. Because why? He is afraid. And then he ends up in a cave. So things are going even better for him. And then... To make it even worse, I guess you might say, his family shows up. Now, I'm not against family, but when you're in this low moment, when you're on the run as a refugee, probably the last thing I want is my whole family to show up looking maybe, maybe me feeling like I need to take care of them or whatever it might be. And others show up as well. And David, I don't know if he has any time for all of that. I mean, everything's in motion. Everything's unstable. What's going to happen next? And so he goes to the king of Moab and he says, your majesty, can you help? I mean, can you? Well, let me read you exactly what he says, because I, I think this is interesting. He says, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Because I just can't, maybe I can't think about this right now. I can't pay attention to this when everything is up in the air. Maybe you felt a drift like that too from time to time. I just can't handle this right now. Can we put all this to the side and let me focus on what is right in front of me? Um, it certainly happens to all of us. And then, of course, that line that I just read, when he asks, when he mentions to the king, he says, will you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Until I learn what God will do for me. Now, another translation might translate it as this. Until I learn what God will do to me or with me. Until I learn what God will do with me. I like the way that's framed because it implies a few things. It implies that David knows <laughs> that God is going to do something with him and that it's God that's going to do something with him. 
not necessarily any human, not even necessarily his own plans, not any of this, but God is the one that is going to do something to him and with him and in his life. David realizes, I think, after all of the changes that he had lived through his life up to that point, shepherd, Goliath, music, run, refugee, all of this, David realized that deep down, his purpose was God's purpose. Whatever God gave him to do, ever, wherever God directed him, whatever purpose he gave him. And that purpose, it's not the same as he once thought and he once lived. It's not the same as it is right now in 1 Samuel 21. And it's not the same as it would be tomorrow because King David is about to enter the story before too long. And so his purpose, his role, his function in the future would change yet again. And so we have this story here, right? Bread, a sword, a man, things with new purpose. Giving things and people new purpose, it just seems like it's something that God does. And here now, right here at the end of the year, which is a, and the beginning of a new year, which is a particularly important time for us to think about this, is to remember this, that all our old purposes, how we define ourselves, how others come to define us, how life and the year has come to define us, it can threaten to dominate us. That's just who I am, we say out loud in all caps. That's just what it is. That's just how things work. You've probably said it. David, in the middle of the story, in the middle of his life, tried to say that. You know what God would say? No, that's not how it works. That's not who you are. That's not just how things go. Let me tell you, David, how things will go. Let me tell you these new purposes that I have for you, because I have a definition for you far beyond what you can imagine and beyond what this season of your life has defined for you. There's something more, something more important. You know, what's interesting about that story, the story here in 1 Samuel 21, is if you flip forward to the New Testament, to the story of the life of Jesus, the Messiah, the, the Son of God, who we just celebrated during the Christmas season, when he's earlier on, or later on in his life after being born with his disciples, he is talking and answering a question, and he says, he references in some sense, this story here in 1 Samuel 21. He says, haven't you read, guys, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Jesus is saying in that moment, guess what? All of these other purposes that you thought you had, there's something new. There's something more important. There's something that goes beyond the purpose that you had defined something for. There's something new. And you can see it throughout the life of people, I think, individuals in the Bible. Uh, and in the history of uh, the Christian faith, and even in our own lives. We've been singing songs about one of them for uh, a few weeks now. Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
<laughs> she's, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. She's betrothed to this guy, Joseph. What is her purpose in the first century Palestine? I don't know, to get married, to have kids, to raise a family, and then probably to die at 40 years old because it's the ancient world or something like that. To be a good Jewish woman, that is her lot in life. And then one day, an angel shows up and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the angel begins to unveil a new purpose and plan for her. May it be to me, as the Lord has said, Mary responds, my paraphrase there. There's a man named John Newton who lives in the 1700s, and he is an Englishman. His purpose? Be a slave trader. Buy and sell human flesh for profit. And uh, captain this slave ship, at least at the very least, captain this slave ship. And he has this encounter with Jesus that over the course of his life changes his purpose and changes his perspective. All he knew was about boats and maybe a little bit about slavery. He didn't know about being a priest, though he became one. He didn't know about standing against slavery as an abolitionist. He became one. He might not have even known enough theology or good theology to put together um, a couple words, let alone the most famous hymn ever written, because it's John Newton, the former slave ship captain, who writes Amazing Grace. He had a purpose. His purpose was to be that captain. But God had another one. I used to be a youth pastor, and, you know, it's always interesting working with uh, young people because their book, their, their future is unwritten. They're an open book. They're a blank page, and you can see all sorts of directions that they can go. And sometimes they have ideas of where they think their purpose is and their direction is. Sometimes they have ideas put on them by others, family members or school or what, friends or whatever it might be. But, you know, it's dangerous for a high school student to meet Jesus because Jesus might call them to ministry, call them to sacrifice, call them to be a missionary, call them to give up those dreams and purposes they thought they had to be the lawyer or the doctor or the finance person or whatever it might be, and to do something different, a new purpose. You know, as I think about new purpose, and I think about the openness, or at least <laughs> the openness that I guess David had, being willing for whatever God would do with him. I think about my own life, and I think uh, it challenges me too, right? You know, sometimes in life we, get, we have certain seasons where we think, I figured this out. I got this going. I've figured it out now. Now, you know, maybe it's time for me to coast. I've worked pretty hard, and I'm busy. You know, I can't really get involved much in these people's lives. I can't be a part of this, uh, <laughs> can't be a part of this small group. Do I really need to go and gather together with the church on a Sunday morning? Or, like I have done sometimes, should I just, you know, watch the service on my treadmill? Maybe you're watching it right now. Actually, it's all digital today, so work off those calories from Christmas, whatever it might be. And I think what God has been speaking to me, at least, is that I need to get more involved, my wife and I, in the life of the church. And um, ministering to other people, being involved in community, um, serving in my church. Um, maybe God is speaking that to you as well. Maybe it's been a year or two of a purpose where my purpose is to just focus on just what's in front of me and nothing beyond that. And maybe in 2022, God is calling you to something different. 
Then, of course, we have those dark times, right? Where we say, I don't know what my purpose is. Maybe my purpose is nothing, right? Maybe it's meaningless. Maybe I just burden people and waste time. I live a pretty empty life with no particular purpose, and that's it, okay? That's pretty stark. He asked the question, is that it? And God said, is it? Is it really it? Because, you know, I have some things that I'd like to do in your life. I have purpose for you you haven't even imagined yet. Will you open yourself up to that? Will you be ready for that? Will you embrace that when it comes? And as I said, a new year is just as good a time as any for considering this. It's probably better. When you think about it, the story of God's work in the world is filled with people who had one purpose or no purpose, or so they thought, and God gave them another. And hear that. God gave them another. I think that's key. They let God change their purpose. They didn't stand still. They didn't refuse. They didn't change um, their own purpose depending on what they thought they needed to do, but Mary <laughs> took and received God's purpose for her life. John Newton took and received God's purpose for his life. David took and received God's purposes multiple for his life. From shepherd to Goliath slayer to uh, being in Saul's court and playing music to his friendship with Jonathan to being on the run as a refugee and later on to being king. I'd like to believe that by 1 Samuel 21, when David says, can you... Can you hold my parents king for a little while until I figure out what God will do with me? I like to think that by that point in his life, he had given up on the idea that he was locked into any one path. That he was locked, dead set, like on tracks, into any one purpose. Because his whole life had shown <laughs> that it would have been foolish to do so. Because God was leading him on to new and different and greater things. When I think about three of the things we see here, I, I see that God changes things. He changed the use and the purpose of an old has-been sword and some set-aside bread. He can and does change anything towards a new and better purpose. And he invites us into purpose in life, purpose in relationship with him. It's a relationship that we were made for, regardless of how difficult it may be to see when we are lost in our distracted, supposed purposes. God made us for his purposes. And we get so lost in our own paths. We get so lost in our own ways. And the whole time, I know that God wants to do new and greater things in us. David was right here in this story, and he frankly ought to, ought to have been ready for the rest of his life for God to do a new thing and move him towards a new purpose. And he was. He was ready for God to do that new thing in him and through him and with him. He was ready for God to give him a new and a different purpose. The question today, here at the end of the year, as we face and look over the edge into 2022, 
Are you? Are you ready for God to give you a new purpose? Are you ready not only to receive that new purpose, but to embrace it? Friends, if you're here this morning and uh, you're new to hearing <laughs> that God has purpose for you and that your life has a purpose, I'm glad to be the one that can share that with you because it is true. The scripture teaches us that we are made in the image of God and God wants to do his work in and through us. Good work. Work that we are made for. If you've never taken a step to follow Jesus, I'd like to pray with you in just a few moments. Just a prayer that you can repeat after me to take that first step of faith to uh, reach out to Jesus and trust in him. And I also want to pray for you here this morning if you, like me, maybe are challenged by the idea that you could have a new purpose. Maybe like me, you felt stuck in your ways. You followed Jesus, but you've, over time, you've started to take over the reins of who defines who you are and the kinds of things and boundaries that you allow yourself to step into. Um, and you don't want to really listen to God very much, but you hear God speaking to you this morning and you say, you know, I think I am ready for God to do a new thing in and through me. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm nervous about it, but I'm ready. I want to pray for you too. Friends, will you pray with me this morning? If you're here this morning and you've never taken a step to follow Jesus and discover that purpose in your life, I just encourage you to pray after me this morning. Lord, thank you that you made me and you love me. Thank you that you have purpose for my life. God, I confess that I, when I've been in charge of my own life, have gotten things all mixed up. I feel a bit lost right now, and I need some help. Jesus, please help me. Friends, if you're here this morning and the challenge is that you're following Jesus, but you need to go. You need to go deeper. You need to uh, be ready for that new change of life that you know God is whispering to you. I'd like to pray for you too. You can repeat after me. God, I also confess that when I'm in charge of my life, things get a little rocky. And I can be selfish, and I can be, um, I can have blinders on, and I can sometimes not want to hear where you're leading. Jesus, I ask that you would open me up to the new purposes you have for my life, starting today and in 2022 and beyond. You let me see those clearly. You'll make a way for me. You'll open doors for me to step into this new purpose and this new place. God, let me not only hear your voice, but have the courage to follow where you're leading and where you're calling me. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's it. It's, it's as simple as that. Here now, at the end of this year and heading into the next year, there is new purpose that God has for his people. Uh, it may be an enriched part of the purpose you've already been living into. It may be a completely new direction. Or it may be, as I prayed with some of you, I, I hope, the first opportunity to step into God's true purpose for your life. 
Thanks so much for joining us this morning here at Pennington AG. God bless you and have a blessed 2022.